Kennedy of how you have honored us in this entire month. Uh, I really appreciate that. Now, I want you to help me honor all our other pastors. Don't say anything yet. But the problem sometimes is that we celebrate um, the senior pastor as if there's not many other pastors that are working behind the scenes to pull this off for God's glory. And so each of our campuses have a pastor. So I want us to honor in a moment uh, Pastor Luke at our Prosper campus, Pastor G Lane at our Louisville campus, Pastor Ron at our Dallas campus, Pastor Matt at our Plano campus. Will you just help me honor these men for their faithfulness in ministry? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Come on, don't stop, don't stop, don't stop, don't stop, don't stop, don't stop. That's it, that's it, that's it. Incredible. Thank you, gentlemen. Thank you. I love you, and I appreciate all of you for your service, for your sacrifice, for modeling the way for all of us. Um, we're entering into a new series. Uh, it will take about six weeks to cover the ground that I want and the territory that I want to cover. And so um, you know this already, but the way we do it here at OCC is we identify something in our culture that we believe the en- an area where the enemy is winning. But because we know the gates of Hades will not prevail against the local church, then we shine the light of God's word on that particular issue. And that's what we're about to do. We have an issue in our culture, uh, in especially the Big C Church, that we're going to address today and over the next six weeks. And it is our job to shine the light of the Word of God on it so that we can address it, so that we can be set free in the particular area that we're going to talk about today. But before we get there, we've got to read the Word of God. You can't handle the Word of God today, so I'm going to give you one verse. That's all you're going to get. I'll give you a chance to leave now if you don't want the conviction of the Word upon your spirit. So you can walk and know you got some praise and worship, you can leave. But if you want the Word of God, then you need to stay and stand to your feet. Let's read the Word, everybody. Stand up if you don't mind. Uh, One verse, that's all you got. It's a popular verse that you think you know, but we're going to break it down today. It's one simple verse that you get to read on today. I want you to read it out loud, but don't go before me. I'm going to tell you when to stop, all right? Here we go. Everybody together, read it with me. The is my... Stop right there. You can't handle more than that. The Lord is my... The... No, no. The Lord. Not, 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 not any Lord. Definite article. We're talking about a unique one. One that's in a class all by himself. That is the Lord. That is the one who is self-sufficient. He does not need anything else to survive. He don't need oxygen. He don't need nothing. He was there. He's eternal, number two. He was there before the world. He is there when the world is done. He does not need anything to sustain him. And he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. We're not talking about your little gods. We're talking about the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords. His name is Jesus. Now listen, so we're talking about him being self-sufficient. We're talking about him being eternal. And we're also talking about him being self-existent. So he, he don't need nothing else to exist. He just exists. That's who he is. You need help to exist. He don't need none. Anything he needs, he already has. That's why you can call him I am. He is I am anything you need. Whatever you need after that, he is that too. Your God is unique. That's why we're not talking about a God. We're talking about the God. The text continues. That God is my. Somebody say my. I ain't talking about you. I ain't talking about nobody. I'm talking about my shepherd. I know him because sheep know his voice and you can follow him. So we're talking about my shepherd. Now, next word he says is the Lord is my. Say this word to me. Now, if he is your shepherd, that means you're sheep. The problem with you being the sheep is you're dumb. The problem with you being the sheep is you are defenseless. Sheep cannot, the sheep, not sheep, sheep cannot defend themselves. And in light of that, they are not only dumb, they're not only um, um, defenseless, but they also are extraordinarily dependent on their shepherd. That's wiped out some of y'all right there. Because some of you believe that I don't depend on nobody. I can do good all by myself. I can do bad all by myself. And you don't need no shepherd. Which means the Lord ain't your shepherd. You got another shepherd. 
There, the Bible tells you that there are tons of shepherds vying for your affection. And the problem is, some of us, and we don't even realize that we're doing it, we allow the shepherd of the culture to drive our decision-making. We allow the shepherd of our relationships to drive our decisions. Some of us allow our desires to drive our, 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 our um, emotions and everything that we do. So that's why you can't say, the Lord is my shepherd. You can say, I have many shepherds, but you cannot say, the Lord is my now, if that don't get you, then the last phrase is going to get you. Read it with me, please. The Lord is my shepherd. I. Oh, really? Oh, really? Let me say it another way. One translation put it. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. Let's talk about that. I know you're standing. Stay standing. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. What that means is, Lord, everything I have right now. I am supposed to have, and I am grateful that I have it, and anything that I don't have, I'm not supposed to have it, so I'm so happy I don't have it, because it's not your best for me, so because I don't have it, I'm praising your name, because it ain't my season yet, but I'm going to enjoy the season I'm in, because you're a good shepherd, you are a self-sufficient shepherd, and if I don't have it, that means it's not my time to have it, and I'm not going to fuss at you that I should have it, because it ain't my season yet, and I am delighted delightful because if I had it and it wasn't my season, it might kill me. See, some of you, I want it. That means God ain't your shepherd. That means whatever the thing is that you want, you're now convinced that you need that more than you need the wisdom of your God that says it ain't your time yet. That's called contentment. That's why I can count it all joy because whatever I'm going through, God allowed it so I can enjoy what my shepherd has allowed and nobody will frustrate me because my shepherd loves me and wants the best for me and I'm going to enjoy what he has given me today. That's why when you're on your current job, you ought to praise God. Don't, don't lust for another one. Enjoy the one you got. Because your shepherd, your good shepherd, has said, that's the one I want you in right now. Praise your name, God. That's why, that's why, if you're single, you're supposed to be content when you're single. But you follow in the culture, and they say, no, 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 no. You need somebody, you need somebody. You can't be happy by yourself. You're not happy by yourself because you don't know the shepherd the way you're supposed to. Say it. Now, last loud, last loud. Now, if I was going to preach this like my old school boys would, I'd say, the Lord is my shepherd. <laughs> but we got three services. Sit down. Anybody got time for all that? <laughs> y'all crazy. I'm done with y'all. Y'all crazy. <laughs> Joker's going home. Hey, how you doing today? How you doing? Anyways, um, let us pray and ask God. <laughs> and ask God. Let us pray. Let us pray. Let us pray. Um, Father, guide us now. Uh, highlight the problem that most of our churches face. And then put us on a course to correct it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Um, ladies and gentlemen, you have a handout today. And the handout is going, to, <clears throat> is going to give us a picture of what the problem is that I'm trying to highlight. <clears throat> um, when you're moving from infancy to maturity in your relationship with Jesus... It takes a process. God, God, through Paul and Peter, says that it should, be, it should take about three years for you to move from infancy to maturity. In other words, he assumes that as a believer, you, you, you're going to move from the milk of, of the word to the meat of the word. He assumes that. He assumes that you're going to get tired of just listening to somebody else preach the word, and you're going to become a self-feeder where you get the word for yourself in your relationship with God. That's an assumption that the text is making, that you want to move toward maturity. But what you have is too many people that want everybody else's chewed up meat because you can't chew meat for yourself. 
there's a problem with that because what ultimately happens is there is this journey, and I'm for the sake of our discussion today, there is these seven pathways to get to move from infancy to maturity. Each one of these doors represent a pathway along the spiritual formation journey of you becoming more like Jesus. If you look at your notes, it will tell you, I'll, I'll, I'll articulate the first three. If you look at your notes, it will tell you <clears throat> that the first one starts with new beginnings. That's when you become a Christian. You begin walking down that phase. And when that is the case, your heart's desire, really the focus is still on the world, but you, you're being introduced to Jesus now. And so God, you're trying to find your security and you're trying to find happiness now in God new beginnings. The key activities is now you're ridding yourself of deadly sin. Now the key, the keys for growth is you're, you're starting to chew the word for yourself to know God. You're getting in a community group and now you begin the process of self-effort to grow. You don't know better yet, so that's what you're trying to do. And the next section, then the second door is the, the door between a rock and a hard place. Now the, your heart's desire is a tug of war. You, you want to follow God, but you still kind of love the world. And you want to follow God, but you still can't. This is where most Christians are. No, you still got door number three, four, five, six, and seven. But most Christians stay right here. And he, you, that's why you say stuff like, uh, I ain't been saved that long. Yes, you have. You've been saved that long. You should have gotten rid of your tendencies, and you should be now moving toward Christ-likeness. You should have been saved. Uh, you have been saved that long, so you should have moved toward maturity. So here it says the key activities is you attempt the Christian life, but you struggle with the daily life. Your keys for growth is perseverance through prayer. You're continuing to study the Word, and you continue to be in community and being discipled or mentored by somebody else. The third door, and we're stopping here, is... Where you start to follow Jesus. That's the blue door. That's where you start to follow Jesus. This is the heart's desire. You have a stable faith, scriptural worldview. You know God, and you know God is good. The key activities is faith is at the center of your life. No, you're good communication with God. And, but the problem is you're working for God, replaces your relationship with God. And now you have mentors and disciples and teachers. And now your focus is on relationship more than work for God. And your, your keys for growth is you get out got to detach from wealth. That's why most of us us get stuck at following Jesus. So here's the problem in the church. Big C church, that is Church of Jesus Christ. It's door number one, two, and three we're extraordinarily familiar with. Everybody knows what it's like to struggle in your walk with God. Everybody knows what it's like to follow God, but you're still struggling to serve God and mammon, God and money and wealth. You're still struggling with that. Everybody knows these three. Here's the problem. The problem is Ain't nobody know door number four. Ain't nobody ever teach you how to live in door number four, five, six, or seven. So now what we got is a church full of folk all over the world that now you only want to live in one, two, and three. Let me show you how this looks. That's why your politics beats and trumps your Christianity. That's why the color of your skin still trumps your Christianity. Because you care more deeply about who you are than who God is. And so I don't fight with people who live in door number three or door number two or door number one because they have not yet tasted and seen that God is good. So because you don't have the kind of intimacy, that's why you still form your mouth to say that, well, I'm first this before I'm this. I'm first this before. No, no. You are saved by grace. And the only reason you're here is because of the grace of Jesus Christ who could take you away right now if he desired to. But you have a lot of Christians that are living and doing number one, two, or three. That's the problem. Now, here's the second problem with that. The reason that happens is because most pastors ain't never passed door number three. Most of us pastors struggling down here. And so since we never gone, how are you going to teach somebody what you have never experienced? So now all we're doing is teaching you. Amen, it's always a struggle. I know God's good. Amen, grab your blessing because he got something for you. And all you teach them is what God can bless you with. Not how to die to yourself so God can have all of who you are. Ah, I don't need applause today because I got the word on my side today. Listen, fam, listen, fam, listen. This is so important. 
The next reason why we live here is because most guys in my role, most pastors, we are terrified that if we preach to you, not about you, and not what you can get from God, then you ain't going to give because you're going to think it ain't good to me. So when I tell you to die to yourself so you can be alive in Christ, you get mad and you're going to leave the church and get on the street. Now it's easier. You just leave the church and go at home and watch five different church services because you want to hear what you want to hear. Because the only thing you want to hear is what's in it for me. As if God is some genie that you rub the bottle and get what you want. Say it, pastor. Say it. Say it. Say it. Listen, 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 listen. This is so important because most pastors don't do it because if they start teaching the full counsel of God, then you're not going to give. And if you don't give, then they don't have no money. Then they have to preach. So now preaching becomes all about the money. But don't just blame the pastor, blame yourself because if he teaches you right, you don't like it because you don't get to run and do a lap because he's telling you die to yourself. Preach, pastor. Anyways, um, <laughs> so, so, so our, our journey over the next six weeks is to explore what it means to be a lover of Jesus, what it means to long for oneness, what, what, what does it mean to have a passion for God's love? How, how do I unpack what it means to live a life of love in the Trinity? That's where we're headed. Because for too long, you've only wanted door number one and number two. So put your big shoes on and let's go for this journey. Because I think that with the influx of new shepherds, the shepherd calls social media. The shepherd call or culture. The shepherd. You're not feeling me. Um, for most of you, when COVID hit, you thought COVID was a blessing from God. And you thought, because of how self-centered we are, that God has given it to you, allowed you to go through it. COVID, that is, allowed you to go through it, time away from work and working from home and enjoying family. And, 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 and here's the result. The result is you thought it was to reorder your whole life so you can spend more time with family, so you can get another job, so now you can work two jobs, so you can get into crypto, so you can figure out how to do that. And, 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 and please note, everything I'm saying is about you. What if God did it and allowed it so you could spend more time with him, but you never got there because you're still intoxicated with you? Which means now you're inviting him to allow something else to happen. Since you didn't pass the test the first time, since you still think it's all about you, praise the Lord. Man, COVID blessed me, man. It blessed me, man. I got my blessing in COVID, man. What you doing? Well, I still work for the job, but they don't know I work for another job too. So now I got two jobs. Does God have any of your, is God anywhere in this equation? Well, yes, I give myself money to the church, but that's it. No, 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 no. God's trying to invite you to realize how much you need him. And how much your soul needs rest. And how much he wants to have an intimate relationship with you. But you've missed the whole test by thinking it was all about you. Which brings us all the way back to door number two. You're still thinking it's all about you. Instead of experiencing the journey that he wants you and invites you to go on. So, I could not think of a better passage to start this out with. But Psalm 23, because the problem is, is the Lord really your shepherd? But we're going to find out today. Oh, it's clear today. We're going to find out if you're perpetrating or if he really is your shepherd. Because if there is anything in your life that you don't like right now, you're perpetrating. Because a good shepherd said, the Lord, a good sheep says, the Lord is my shepherd. I like nothing. Do you notice the spirit of gratefulness over that? 
The Lord is my shepherd. Everything I have is what my shepherd wants me to have, so I'm good. The Lord is my shepherd. So whatever I have is mine, and whatever I don't have, my shepherd is convinced that it's not good for me yet. Therefore, I will not focus on what I don't have. I will enjoy what I do have, and I will not change his mind and go get it myself. I will wait till he brings it to me because I can have joy with what my shepherd has already given to me. Is the Lord your shepherd? So he goes on, and now he's going to break it down really good for us. Let's go to verse number two. Verse one says, go back to verse number one first. Verse one says, the Lord is my shepherd, therefore I lack nothing. He's such a good shepherd to me that I lack nothing. So anything that the enemy puts in my mind that I need is also implying that my Lord is not a good shepherd. So whatever it is that you're learning, if I only get this, I'll be happy. If I only get this, I'll be happy. If I only get rid of this, I'll be happy. If I only get rid of her or him, I'll be happy. Whatever that is, you're, you're also simultaneously saying that you don't have a good shepherd. But your shepherd wants to convince you that you need it. The false shepherd, that is, wants to convince you that you need it when your current shepherd says, hey man, if you don't have it, it ain't time yet. Enjoy what you got. Next verse, verse 2. Now he's going to, in a picturesque way, break down as he relates to his sheep, David that is, when he would, when he would, when he would slay a lion, when he would slay a bear, and he would take the bear out with a slingshot, but the sheep would still be fine. And he says, what I do for the sheep, that's what God does for me. How I care deeply about my sheep is how God cares deeply about me. But you can't get there unless you are in pursuit of an intimate relationship. So come on, let's see what he has to say. Watch how picturesque this is. He goes, he says, he makes me lie down in, read that with me everybody. He lie down in whoa. He makes me Lie down in grief. In other words, he has direction for you and he has opportunity for you and he's leading you there. He has a comprehensive plan for your life. The question is, are you willing to follow him, trust him, and depend upon him? He says, I'm leading you to green pastures. He could have led you to brown pastures. But he loves you so much, he's going to make sure it's green. He's, he's leading you away from the brown pastures, and he's leading you to the green pastures. What the green pastures mean is prosperity, but prosperity is not what you think it is. Prosperity is not money. He's leading you to the green pastures, prosperity, because he cares not about how much money you have primarily, but he cares about your soul, and he's trying to, he's trying to restore your soul, so he's taking you to green pastures. But why does he take you to green pastures? What does the text say? He makes me lie down. No, you got to know about, about sheep to know there are four things about sheep. And if they don't have these four, they're not lying down. It don't matter what you do. They are not lying down. Four things that are true about the sheep. Number one, here's what the sheep does. Sheep needs to be free from fear or if they're not lying down. Sheep needs to be free from the social friction with other sheep. Sheep needs to be free from the pests, the flies, and the parasites, and, and sheep need to be free from hunger. If any one of those four are lacking, then the sheep will not lie down. Your God loves you so much oh, that he says, I'm going to take care of your hunger. I'm going to take care of your drama. I'm going to take care of me and you, and I'm going to take care of all your enemies so that you're free to lie down and chill. Your God loves you so much. That he says, I will keep your enemies at bay just so you can chill so I can lay you down in green pastures. That's how much he loves you. He says, I have this unique opportunity for you, but I can't get you there until I make you lie down. And if I'm going to make you lie down, it means I got to make sure your needs are met. And he didn't say your wants, your needs. So you can still be agitated, you know, you're being agitated and you're, I need this, I need it. No, no, your good shepherd says, that's a want. You don't need that. It's not the best for you right now. I want you to chill with what I got for you. Because if you trust me, 
it always works out better when you trust the one who knows everything. That's what he said. So he continues the text. Watch the text now. He says, not only does he make me lie down in green pastures, but the second thing he's doing, he's leading me beside, say this word with me, quiet waters. The one translation says, still waters. So, the shepherd is taking the sheep on a journey. He's going to go through a valley because he's trying to get to the mountaintop. It's called, it's called tablelands, right? It's where you get to the, you go up the mountain and at the top of it, it kind of has a flat thing that looks like a table and they call it, the literal word for it is tablelands where he's going to prepare a meal for you. But in order to get there, he's got to take you through the valley. Why? Because there's water at the bottom of the valley and he's got to take you there so then he can take you up the valley where there's green pastures so that he can take you to where he's trying to take you, to the tablelands. That's his journey. Why is he doing all of that? Because that's in the best interest of you. So he says, I make, I make you lie down in green pastures. Then he says, he leads me beside quiet waters. In other words, there's so many of us that are stressed out. There's so many of us that's doing so much. He says, I need you to chill, so I'm going to make you lie down. And then I'm not going to take you to rapid waters. I'm going to take you to still waters. Why still waters so important? Because if he goes to rapid water and the sheep goes to drink the water and then it's rapid and then it starts wetting his wool, the wool could get so heavy he could fall in. And then if he falls in, the entire wool is now wet. Now he can't get up on his own because he is drenched in it and the wool is so heavy he now might have to share the wood, the wool off the sheep so that the sheep can now stand up again on his stupid. So he loves you so much that he's not taking you to places that you can't handle. He takes you to still waters because you need still water to get refreshment because at the end of this, he's trying to restore your soul. That's what he's after. He's after your spiritual life. He's after your soul being refreshed. He's after you walking with him. There are too many people that does not, has never as a Christian had a 24-hour day of silence when you don't talk to nobody, but you're just trying to hear the voice of God. Well, if you, if you want to get there, then you got to go through disciplines like a 48-hour silence. You don't talk to nobody because you're listening for the voice of God right now. You got to go through solitude where you get away from everybody else, all social media, and you got to go there, and it's just you, God, a Bible, and your journal. And you speak, and then you shut up and listen, and you write what he says. But you're not even interested in that. Because why anybody need all that? Because you're addicted to door number three. God, just give him a word. Let me get it from social media. Let me get it from somebody else. Give him a, ooh, that was a good word. Ooh, that blessed my heart. When are you going to be excited about God's word blessing somebody else's heart, not your heart? When are you going to be excited about praying for every prayer you pray is all about you? If he answered all your prayer, ain't nobody else get blessed but you. When are you going to be done with that? And move on to door number four, five, six, and seven. He tells you. Hey man, I'm trying to lead you somewhere, and I'm trying to lead you beside quiet waters. Why? Next verse. Here's why. So that he can restore your soul. That's what he's after. So that, so that you can be quieted in your soul, so you realize how much you need intimacy with him. See, if you stay on what are my physical needs, if you stay, what are my relational needs, then your soul will never be quieted. You don't get to the deeper parts of life. You don't get to door number four, five, six, and seven. You always are thriving in door number one or two. When, well, I want a little bit of the world and a little bit of God and a little bit of the world. Ooh, yeah, this my jam, this my jam. Hey, 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 hey. And that's where most Christians are. You can't. You would much rather go to a secular concert than a Christian concert. And you think that's cool. And you don't realize that that's a condition of your soul. You can't even say amen. Because you're stuck in door number three when you love the world so much. You don't want to leave the things of the world so you can be enticed into the things at the soul level. Say that. Here's, here's my thesis for the whole sermon. Listen, listen. Here's my thesis for the whole sermon. You become what you behold. 
You become what you behold. Whatever your affections are for, that you will run toward. So therefore, if your mind is stayed on Jesus, then you will become him over time. If when he speaks, you listen, you shed the stuff he asks you to shed so that you can keep me pursuing him, then you're on your way to the right path, to door number four, five, six, and seven. But until you get serious and say goodbye world, look at you singing the song. Until you say that, then you're still going to be pulled back and forth, back and forth. Listen, and that's why we need leaders who can pursue beyond door three so we can have models so people can see what it looks like. When you detach from the world and say, I don't need y'all's affirmation. I just need God's affirmation. Because he's trying to restore your soul. What does it look like when he restores your soul? That's the question, man. What does it look like? It looks like you pressing a restart button. It looks like, you know this, it looks like when um, the sheep would uh, uh, be so stubborn, he'd keep going out of his path. And the shepherd said, no, come on back over here. He's keep doing, come on. Okay, let me help you. And he keep going back. Okay, you're not feeling me. Um, let me show you what it looks like. This is your life, by the way. This is your life. What you're about to see in this video is your life. You ready? This is your life. This is what you do with God all the time. Press play. Let's see it. Oh, let's get him out. Oh, pull him out. Good shepherd. Pull him out. Oh, he got caught. Okay, all right. Come on down. Where, where you going? Hold on. I just spit you out. <laughs> ain't that what we do if, if you have ever done that put your hands together for God of course you have because me and you do that all the time okay let me help you okay all right I ain't never gonna do it again God I promise you as God if you get me out of this one I'm gonna serve you the rest of my days God's a good you're on time God yes you are you're an on time God yes you are you're an on time God yes you are and he got you out and before he got you fully out you run off again end up in the same. So you know what he has to do in order to restore your soul? Because your, your head's so tough, he got to break your leg. He got to. He's got to create trauma so he breaks your leg. Then, now you can't go nowhere. You can't run no more. So now you are stuck. So guess what he has to do? Because he's a loving child. He gets you up, puts you over his shoulder, and for the next four weeks, you got to walk with him. You don't have no choice. You're right here the next four weeks. And you got to walk, and you got to walk, and you got to walk, and you got to walk. When, when that happens to you, and somebody's trying to, to speak into your life, then you know what you do? You run from your community group and say, I ain't done with y'all. I don't like none of y'all. I'm going to do my own thing. I can't stand you. And you know what you do? You run down the street to another church. <clears throat> because you don't want anybody to lovingly carry you along the journey. He's trying to restore your soul. That's why he has to break it so he can carry you. So you know the love of the shepherd. So you know if he loves me this much that he will carry me for four weeks on his back. That must be a good shepherd. But, 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 but there's this other thing that I don't want you to miss. Uh, it's this word in, in when you're taking care of sheep called uh, cast. Everybody say cast. C-A-S-T. Say cast. Cast. Here's what happens when, you, when, when you're in cast. When you're in cast, it means you've gotten yourself in so much trouble, you're now on your back. And sheep that are on their back can't stand back up on their legs. That means their legs are in the air, their hands are in the air, they're all four on the air, and they can't turn around. So the shepherd, a good shepherd, has to come, pick them up, and turn them back around. Can I show you what it means for the Christian when they're in cast? Here's what it means. Four things. Number one is... You're in cast when we focus on being overly comfortable. I'm talking to all of suburbia now. When you focus on being overly comfortable, oh, you're making demands. Now, why the steering wheel not getting hot? I want my steering wheel to be hot. 
Why the seat ain't getting hot? I need a seat to be hot. Why in the world is this service line taking so long? Y'all better call Walmart. Y'all better call, not Walmart. You wouldn't go to Walmart. You better call, you better call, you better call some more service. I pay too much money to be in here for you not to call other attendants to come check me out. That's because you don't got too comfortable. At least you have a grocery store. At least you have a car. At least you have a bed. Some of you, I don't like my bed. My back's to her. I need a new bed. I need a new bed. I'm going to get one of them expensive beds. At least you've got a bed. But you've gotten so comfortable that not even God can speak into your life because you have become addicted to comforts. Say it. Tell them. Let them hear it. Because you've gotten too addicted to say it with me. See, you don't even want to say it. Everybody together. You've gotten, we, sorry, not what I'm saying to you. We have gotten too addicted to. That's right. And if it's not our way, then we get mad. We get real mad. The other day, I'm, I'm, I'm the chief one. The other day I'm at a soccer game. And I'm at the opposing side. And this dude come around <clears throat> telling me I can't be on that side. Says who? Well, you, 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 that's your son's team on the other side. Okay, I want to be over here. You can't be over there. Why not? Because I said so. So, so. so then, this is how you know your heart's wicked. So then I said, so then I said, okay, where's the light? Okay. Is here okay? <laughs> to which your first lady comes to me and says, hey, senior pastor. You know when you're in trouble now. Well, just, hey, senior pastor, senior pastor. He might come to church next week. <laughs> Quit tripping and just go back over the other side, okay? And then your first lady walk away from me and said, I don't know who he is. <laughs> come, and then she took her dog. Come on, Chloe, let's go on the other side. But then I was too prideful. This true story. I was too prideful to move right then. So I waited three minutes. And then, and then I put my head down and I just walk over after three minutes. I ain't moving right there. You're going to die. There's no reason why I got to be on that side. I can be on this side. We're going to have an attitude over a doggone game. This is not the World Cup. It's a game. Why are you laughing at me? Laugh at yourself. You do it too. My point is, when you stay stuck on stupid like that, that's when God has to say, all right, it's time for me to come because clearly you're in I got to turn you over. Let me get two more, then let's move on. Our time's running. The second one is when you become overindulgent, you get addicted to stuff. And when we become overly prideful and we don't want to bend and we don't want to yield and it has to be our way every time. That's when you're in calf. But you don't know it. So you think you're normal. But you're in calf. Now the shepherd has to come. And he has to say, all right. I tried to help you. I tried to use my Holy Spirit, but you don't want to listen. So now I have to turn the heat up to get your attention. Do you see what I'm saying? We're not here anymore. Following Jesus, well, I still like me enough. God says, hey, can I invite you over here? Can I invite you just to not try to control everything? And to believe that what I have for you is the best possible future that you could ever have that's why he's leading you to restore your soul he continues he guides me in the path of righteousness most important part of the whole passage for his name said he's not doing it for you you're not that important the further into those doors you get you realize that you're not that important and none of this life is about you that's why as much as he gives you give it away because you realize that you can't take it with you to heaven so you're going to invest it in people so that they can get to heaven the reason you do that is because you care more about his kingdom than building your own but you can't get that and you're going to disagree with me because you're stuck on door number two and you're stuck on door number three and you still think it's all about you. And you still think you can have enough money to protect you from everything. Let it protect you from COVID. Let it protect you from the supply chain. (laughs) 
So he says, um, he guides me in the path of righteousness for his name's sake. All right, my time's up. Let's go to the next verse. I got to get to verse number four. Verse number four. Here we go. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. First of all, there's literally a valley range called the shadow of death. So he said, even though I walk through this very valley, um, I will fear no evil. In other words, he says, every Christian needs a valley. Because the valley is very revelatory. You see, a valley lets you know who your real friends are. Oh, you don't know who your good friends are until you go through a valley. You don't know who really love you until you go through a valley. When you go through a valley is when you know if you got some real friends or some fake ones. Because the fake ones will leave you when your money run out. They'll leave you when you go through the valley and you look ashamed. They'll leave you. But the real friends, they love you on your worst day and they love you on your best day. Because that's the real friend. So be careful when you don't want to go through valleys. Because the valleys, God will use to pick some people off. So you know who should be with you and who should not. But that's not all the valley is good for. The valley is also good for to know who you are. Because you don't know who you are sometimes until you go through the valley. You see, one of the things I love to do, I really do. The Bible tells you that you should love going to a funeral. I love going to funerals. Because at the funeral, you see who was perpetrating that they love Jesus and who really does. See, at a funeral, you see, rock on the hard place, fall on Jesus. At a funeral, here's how these people act. How could a good God do that to me? Why could he take my loved one? God, you ain't right for that. How could you do that? I ain't done with them. They're too young to go this early. But the further you go over here, the more you realize, God, you give and you take away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. God, it hurts. It really hurts. But God, I know you're sovereign. So you've got a better reason than if I could see through your eyes, I'd fully understand it. But I don't right now. But I'm going to praise your name. God, whether I have a whole lot and my 401k is good and my bank account is good and I have a lot of properties and all that, or God, whether I have nothing, what I have is not going to stop me from praise your name. I'm going to praise your name because you're a good God that restores my soul, that leads me in the paths of righteousness, that takes me to green pastures, that leads me beside quiet waters. God, I got to praise your name because you're that good to me. You hold stuff back that I never see. So I got to praise your name. God, I'm here, and I'm alone with you, and I'm not hearing you, and I need to hear you, and I'm going to stay as long as I need to. I don't want to hear from nobody else until I hear from you, because what anybody else says is irrelevant. I need your voice. Ladies and gentlemen, you don't get that at door number two, and you don't get that at door number three. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Here's why. He's taking you down the valley. And he's taking you up on the mountain range to take you up to the table tops where it's the table lands, where he's going to feed you in front of your enemies. But he's taking you on a journey. The good news is he's not, he's not, going, with, he's not going ahead of you. He's going with you. And so he's with you. That's why you don't have to fear nothing. David is saying, I would not let a lion or a bear take out any of my sheep. So if I'm that passionate about protecting my sheep, how much more is the God that is eternal? that is all-powerful, that is all-knowing, going to take care of me. He says, that's the God we serve. Why wouldn't you want to know him more? He says, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Here's why I don't have to fear. Not because I have the resources, but because you are with me. You're the one that's, that, that runs this whole place. Then he says, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Your rod, there are three big reasons for a rod. Don't miss this, y'all. There are three big reasons for a rod that you don't want to miss. Reason number one for a rod is you use it for inspection. He'll take the rod and he'll look at the sheep and he'll try to figure out, is there any parasites? Is there any, any insects? Is there anything that could irritate the sheep? And if there is, he wants to get rid of it quickly before it hurts the sheep. He says, so I need my rod. Number two, I need my rod because sometimes I have to throw my rod because a sheep is acting a fool. 
So when he's acting a fool and he keeps getting into stuff he has no business getting into, I'm not throwing my rod at the sheep. I'm throwing it right beyond the sheep so it will scare him to come back to the fold. I love you so much, I will disturb some stuff around you just to get to your attention so that you can do what I want you to do. I will, when I see you in the club, I let somebody else who have no business be in the club, but to go to church, I let them see you and let you be, oh Lord, I shouldn't be in here. Let me get on out of here. When I see you online, I'll let you see somebody at the church that you saw last week there too. And you acting a fool with no clothes on, talking about, hey, and I let them see you and I let them reach out to you and say, oh God, what am I doing in here? Say it, pastor, say it. He says, even though I walk to the valley of shadow, I have your rod. Then he says, your staff. The staff's job is to protect you. The staff's job is when you get into a spat with the other uh, sheep, with your other co-worker, with your other small group. I, 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 I need to take you out of that. Come on, get out of there. You have no business acting like that in there. So he gently uses the staff to lead you to where you should be. Next verse. Let's, let's see if we can wrap it up. Next verse. We're going to end on this one. We don't have time to get to six. He says, I prepare a table for you before you me in the presence of my enemies. Somebody say in the presence of my enemies. Now, here's what he's saying. He's saying, I'm going to set you up. And people love this and they love to shout on this because they hate their haters so much that they think they done won the battle. And so now I'm chilling. Look at y'all. Y'all suck. Look at y'all. Y'all, y'all, y'all. That's not the point And that's not the spirit of the text. The spirit of the text is not that you get to gloat over your enemies. The spirit of the text is that you now get to celebrate your shepherd. So much so that even though your enemies meant it for evil. God used it to develop character in you. So now when, you, now when you're sitting at the table and you're feasting, you don't hate them and you're not dancing talking about, look at me, look at me. You wish you could be me, huh? You wish you could be me. No, that's not what Joseph did. Joseph had compassion on his brothers. Even though they meant it for evil and they wanted to kill him because they thought he was arrogant and we, we need to get him out of here. Joseph said, God was just preparing me to set it up so that when you needed me, I was there as his vessel to bless you, to bless your family, but not just your family, but to bless the whole world. Do you see what God, God's not trying to give you reason to gloat. God is trying to give you reason to honor his name because it's all about for his name's sake. Then I'll end with this one. Then he says, at last, yeah, you can clap that up. Come on, let's clap it up. Then he says, finally, I'm done with this. Then he says, you have anointed my head with oil. That's one phrase. I'm going to talk about that. Then I'm going to close on this. My cup overflows. Every phrase is important here. So he says, you have anointed my head with oil. I could go into all of this and there's imagery of to get that. My, you have anointed my head. You know why he anoints your head with oil? You know why he does that? Because sheep are so dumb that they will allow stuff to get in their nose, flies, and then flies, uh, uh, parasites, all that. Then they make eggs in your nose, and then nose and irritant. So now the sheep will go to a rock and do this. Because he tries to get rid of the irritant of the fleas or the flies or whatever it is. And so he go to the rock or the tree and trying to get it out of his head because it's irritated him, and he'll kill himself trying to do that. So what a good God does is he anoints your head with oil. So that the oil is running down. And the reason he does it is because he knew what would happen when he got to this table. So he prepares you before. He's anticipating what might happen. And he anoints you so that the flies now experience the repellent of the oil. So now they don't want to come near the sheep. So now they can't lay eggs in his nose because you have a good shepherd that went ahead of you and made sure that you were protected for whatever could irritate you in the future. He also does it because as the ram, when it's mating season, and the rams start bucking their heads together, it's, it, this is what happens. The, 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 two, the two horns kind of come off of each other because the oil that's anointed you will not allow the pain of the two heads bucking together increase. So he does it to prepare you for what could happen. Then he closes, and I'm done. He says, my cup overflows. Are you kidding me? My cup overflows. 
when, if you know back in the Middle East, here's what happened. When, when a host is hosting a party, they want the families that are coming to know that they, that they are welcome there. So you know what they do? They keep filling the cup of everybody. Everybody. Oh, yeah, we're so glad you're here. We're so honored that you're here. We're so honored that you're here. Listen, listen, listen. And when they want you to get up out of here, then they stop filling it. They don't feel it no more. They say, hey, man, listen, God bless you. Uh, you don't have to be here, but you got to get up out of here. And so here's what they do. The servers just stop filling the cup. So when they want it filled, that means they, they enjoy you being around them. When it overflows, now they're saying, I enjoy your presence so much that I want you here all the time. I don't just want you to realize that I like you. I want you to understand that I love your presence. So when they come and, they, and they're pouring it and it's overflowing onto the sauce of meat or it's overflowing onto the table, it means I love your presence. I love what you bring to the table and I want you to know how much I love you. Can I tell you what God is saying to you? When he went to the cross and he died, he says, I want to give you blessings upon blessings upon blessings. I want you to know, the reason I want you to give you the invitation to door number four, five, six, and seven is because I want you to realize that I love your presence so much. That I love when you are with me so much. I love when you crave being in my presence so much because I want to give you blessings upon blessings upon blessings upon blessings upon blessings upon blessings. So it's overflowing and it's overflowing to other people and anybody that gets near to you now I want to bless you some more and I want to bless you some more. I want you to be content. I want you to be joyful. I want you to be satisfied. I want you to be content so that the world can marvel at your life because you're sitting at my table and I want you to be overflowing with the blessings of God. That's how much your shepherd loves you. He loves you that much that he wants to give you the overflow to be a blessing to other people as well. Heavenly Fathers, Heavenly Father, will you help us? Every last one of us, will you invite us afresh to door number four, door number five, door number six, and door number seven. Will you give us a distaste of door number one, two, and three and invite us to go to door number four, five, six, and seven. Will you help us to follow you, God? Will you help us to follow your lead? As you lead us, we're committing afresh that one community church, local and one community church global, will follow you. Wherever you lead us, we will follow you. Have thine own way. As we go, help us to hear your voice and follow you wherever you lead. We pray this in Jesus' name. Everybody said, 